Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue our study of the book of Acts. This week, the spotlight is on the remainder of the day of Pentecost. Following the supernatural fulfillment of the gift of the Holy Spirit, Peter delivers his first sermon to a large gathering of astonished Jews. Please listen to Pastor Jim as he teaches today's slice of this week's message entitled, Will You Call on the Lord? In the way that it was revealed to Joel and recorded in his book, it was uh, written in the form of poetry. That means the primary characteristic of Hebrew poetry is parallelism. It's written in, in two-line pairs. Sometimes it's say something and then say the same thing again in different words, or say one thing and then contrast it in, in, in different words. Sometimes the parallelism is more sophisticated, like line A, line B, and then repeat the message of B, and then repeat the message of A. There's multiple you know, versions of contrasts and chiasm and other things that, that you can do with that. But that's the primary characteristic of it is that it's Hebrew poetry. Now, when you translate poetry from one language to another, you can get the meanings of the words pretty uh, precisely. But it's impossible to maintain the poetic form. You can't uh, reduplicate the meter or the rhyme or anything um, like that. Um, and it's, it's much more difficult, if you will, to verbally translate. So the best we can do in our English Bibles when we are recording something that's Hebrew poetry is to print it in the line-by-line format rather than as regular prose. And so that ought to tip you off if you see things where it's not just you know, in paragraph form, it's line by line, it's almost certainly a, a poetic quotation. Now, there are only a few English words that you'll find in your translation that Peter wove in among the words of Joel. If you take this passage and compare it to, uh, put it in parallel columns, Acts 2, 17 through 21, with Joel 2, 28 through 32, which I did this week, it's identical. He quoted this um, very, very effectively. I don't think that he had the other 11 guys with him unfurl a big long scroll of the book of Joel. He knew this. This was the part of the Holy Spirit bringing to their minds everything they needed to know. All right, we'll look at these five verses and then make some comments. Acts two seventeen through 21. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my Spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. <coughs> and I will grant wonders in the sky above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. 
the sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So what happened on that day was not a drunken display. It was an important development in the plan of God. It was what was spoken through the prophet Joel. Now, it starts out in the last days. Last days is common Old Testament terminology pointing to the time when the Messiah would come to set up His kingdom. You heard Jesus refer in Matthew uh, 12 that this will not be forgiven in this age or the age to come, meaning now or in the kingdom. That, that, their perspective was there's this age, Messiah comes, and the kingdom comes with Him. So the last days is when Messiah would come and set up His kingdom. The arrival of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, Peter is making this point, is an essential step in the development of the kingdom program of God. Now, no one in those days, including the prophets themselves, and here in the time of the apostles, clearly understood that there would be two comings of the Messiah and that there would be a long time between them. First Peter chapter 1 even mentions that, uh, especially I think he's referring to Isaiah, he writes about Messiah coming, and he's going to be this glorious king, but he writes about Messiah coming. He's going to be this suffering servant who is crucified. Which is it? Both. Two comings, two different things to accomplish the work of redemption, to bring the kingdom to earth. But they didn't, that wasn't revealed until the New Testament. Now, we live in that in-between era, appropriately known as the church age. But Jesus coming to earth ushered in the last days. The last days have lasted now more than 2,000 years. And during this time, God has begun calling Gentiles to salvation, not just Jews. And He has included the believing Jews with the believing Gentiles. But when you're a Gentile and you become a Christian, it doesn't mean you get, a, you get a, 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 an Israeli passport. Jew and Gentile together become the body of Christ. And at the same time, while he's doing that, he is chastening Israel for her unbelief. Now, as you read Joel's prophecy, understand, it will not be completely fulfilled until the millennial kingdom, that 1,000-year period following the second coming of Jesus. But what happened on that day of Pentecost was a step in the development toward that kingdom coming to earth. This was just a sample of the power of the Holy Spirit that will be normal in the kingdom. This was a, this was a preview, if you will, or more, like, more than just a preview, more like a sampler. It really was the power of the Holy Spirit. That really was the Holy Spirit enabling them to speak in those languages. That really was the Holy Spirit who made the big racket. So we're getting this little... Um, preview of things, but understand, we in this era, it's between the coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ, He is the King, He is the King of kings and Lord of lords who has set up the kingdom on earth, but right now, the King is not present. So many of Jesus' parables have to do with this era of the kingdom of God when the King is away and He will come back. 
But we who now put our faith in this Savior, the ones who are indwelt by this Holy Spirit, we have a foretaste of kingdom life. Our status now is what the Apostle Paul wrote about in Colossians 1, 13 and 14. For He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. Say, wait a second. He's not here. He's not sitting on His throne in Jerusalem. This isn't the kingdom. No, but I'm a citizen of it. So we are now ambassadors for a foreign entity, the kingdom. We've been transferred to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of of sins. We have the spiritual blessings of the new covenant. We have the spiritual blessings that will be fully manifested in the kingdom. And in His millennial kingdom, God will pour forth of His Spirit on, and notice He says, all mankind, because it's going to be Jews and Gentiles. Now, it's also clear, as you read through Joel's prophecy here, that the things Joel mentioned are not all fulfilled in this age. We don't know what all kinds of prophesyings and dreams and visions will be more commonplace during the millennium. We know that there was prophecy in the early church, but that revelatory kind of prophecy has ceased for now. That gift of tongues has ceased And there's a reason for that explained in 1 Corinthians 14. But we also know that we have not seen the wonders in the sky above and the signs beneath. He's not talking about beautiful sunrises and sunsets and majestic vistas. Those wonders didn't happen at Pentecost. There was no blood and fire and vapor of smoke. There was the tongues of fire, but he's talking about real fire. The the sun was not turned into darkness, nor was the moon turned into blood. Those phenomena are yet to come with what Joel calls the great and glorious day of the Lord. So last days, that's when the Messiah comes, the King is here. The day of the Lord is a, a phrase that's used several different ways in the New Testament, but there's an overarching theme to them. It's the day when the Lord takes over, the day of the Lord. Now, the day of the Lord is sometimes used in certain passages (coughs) to refer to some time when God does a certain kind of judging. But the way it's used in this passage, it's directly related to the things that will happen at the second coming of Christ. Jesus is the Lord, and when He is unveiled, what a day that is. You might even call that the day of the Lord. But it's probably broader than that. If you check out the celestial miracles that are going to happen when Jesus returns, Matthew 24 and Revelation 19, aha, it sounds a whole lot like what Joel was referring to. Same king, all part of the same plan, something new is happening now. Now, there are several uses of day of the Lord, as as I said, but I think you'll do fine if you think of it as the great and glorious day of the Lord begins with the next event on God's calendar, the rapture of the church. He removes His people from the earth. Then the 70th week of Daniel, the the tribulation time building up to the second coming of Christ and the millennial kingdom on earth, the great white throne judgment and the setting up of the new heavens and the new earth. 
roll all that together, stick it in the, under the label, the great and glorious day of the Lord, and I think you'll have a pretty good understanding. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.